Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. I, I wanted to talk about like food fears and phobias. Mm. <laughs> it's so good. And, like because... di- dieting drama that fucks you up. <laughs> dieting drama for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell the story? Because give people a little bit of context, because I think we've probably all had this experience and yeah. it can be like a prison actually. Yeah. So I was just recently at a CrossFit class and we're just stretching at the end and Um, one of the women there was having kind of a conversation, uh, with the, with the CrossFit coach and they were asking about dinner. Like, what are you going to have for dinner? And he's like, I'm just probably going to have a perfect food bar, you know, and a coffee or something. She goes, what is that? And so I piped in, I was like, oh, they're like these basically just straight peanut butter or almond butter bars. And you guys have probably seen them. Like they're in the refrigerated section and they're very dense calorically. Um, they just literally taste like peanut butter cookie dough or something. And they're really delicious, but they're, you know, probably 350 calories. They're like meal, they're like meal, meal replacement bars. Yeah. So they're like a full, and she, she said, well, how much carbs do they have? And I go, Oh, I don't really know. They're probably a decent amount. They're more like fat and protein. I'd say I was like, they're just like peanut butter. And she kept asking about the carbs and the coach kind of said something to her about being, he goes, Oh, you're, she said she's keto. And that's why she was asking. And she had lost like 75, 80 pounds being keto. And so anyway, they're kind of got in the conversation and you could tell she was triggered because the coach was saying they were fine. And she's like, well, I can't eat a certain amount of car. Like I can't eat X number of carbs. And he was like, yeah, you probably can. And he kind of mentioned like some COVID, uh, things that help you with COVID and talking about orange juice. And she's like, I can't drink orange juice. And she just was getting very triggered about this. And I could tell, like, he was kind of trying to push her towards you're fine. You can eat a couple things. And basically, and I could just recognize this because I can recognize it in myself and other clients that I worked with in the past was she had lost a significant amount of weight eating a certain way. And she was terrified to go off of that at all, like to deviate even one little bit. So she got mm. in her mind that if I, you know, I've been keto for this long and I lost 80 pounds, there's no way in hell I'm going to eat, you know, 20 grams of carbs or whatever it is. The number that was in her head. I don't know what the number was. And I just like felt so bad for her. And, you know, it was none of my business. And it was my first class. So I didn't know her well enough to say anything. I literally wanted to like, just send her the podcast and be like, just listen to a lot of this stuff, but <laughs> it wasn't my business. She didn't ask, but I could tell she was so triggered even having the conversation. And there was so much fear that she had about eating different than how she had been because it had worked. Mm-hmm. And I remember a woman, when I used to work in 24 hour fitness, she had gastric bypass surgery and she had lost probably 150 pounds and she obsessively worked out. She was there about four hours a day and she was so scared to gain the weight back. Cause she had gone through the surgery. And so she was working out so much and I could see that it wasn't really helping her. It was probably doing more harm than good, but how many of us have had some results during doing a certain thing. And then we're so afraid to not do that thing anymore because it quote worked and we don't want to go backwards and we don't want to like give up any, 
we worked so hard to get to a certain place. It's kind of even like, I've seen this happen with money stuff. Well, you know, why I did find the money project. I saw a lot of um, similarities on like, you got out of debt and you like saved and you're like scared to spend money or do anything fun now because you're, you're like, I'm finally in a financial place. I'm good. And so like, you don't go on vacations and you don't get your hair done or anything because you're just like so tight. But I wanted to bring this up because I, one, I know a lot of you listeners, um, you're into fitness. That's why you maybe were attracted to Jill and I in the first place and maybe had gone through some diet stuff. And I know that some of our most popular episodes are when we talk about body image and food. And I thought this was something just really powerful, especially being summertime. I feel like, you know, you're in bikinis or swimsuits and maybe you're a little bit more freaked out about your diet, but Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you get off of that? Like paranoia, this roller coaster being like, I cannot do anything different. I'm so scared to eat anything off of this plan or this number of whatever rules you made up in your brain that are working. How do you get out of that? Because it's a prison. Like you said at the beginning, it is a prison to live in, but it's terrifying to get out of that because what if you mess it all up? What if you get it's all the way so back? hard? Yeah, it's so hard. You know, the really interesting thing about this is we oftentimes, especially, you know, us maybe recovering perfectionist or people who may be more type A or whatever is like, we can easily use food and exercise as a control mechanism. And so when you shared about your previous client spending four hours a day at the gym, I could really resonate with that because at one point I was doing, I wasn't even getting ready for a show. I was just doing it to do it because that's what I needed to do to maintain my weight. Or that's the story I told myself, but two to three hours of cardio a day. And I remember now looking back, I didn't even look different. Like I literally didn't, I was doing all that activity just to simply maintain and it can be terrifying to do anything else. So you could even have the awareness that this actually isn't doing anything. Like you can actually be like, from an objective perspective, my body's not looking any different, but I'm so terrified to stop doing this because this is just something that I need to do for me. It's like a control mechanism, right? So you look at it that way, especially with the nutrition stuff, when it comes to fat loss or weight loss, number one, and and exercise as well, your body doesn't just keep responding ad infinitum to the same thing. You know, so this woman lost a lot of weight on keto, but that also doesn't mean that keto is going to continue to work for her. You maybe the first time, and, and if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've had this experience too. The first time I ever dieted, like for a show, my body responded like that, like minimal amount of cardio, maybe like 45 minutes, an hour a day which is also a lot still. Um, but when I like cut calories, my body like overnight looked different, but then I gained back some weight and then I do it again. And my body didn't respond quite as much. I did, it responded, but not as much. Then I gained the weight back a little bit. Then I do it again. And same thing, like it respond, but not quite as much. So I had to do more. And so you can easily get into this cycle where you have to keep doing more. So for this woman who's the keto, if she wants her body to continue to respond, she's going to have to, it's not about the food choice, right? It's it's because she was in a caloric deficit and keto worked for her to put her in a caloric deficit on some level. And so in order for her body to keep responding, if that's her goal, she's going to have to keep trying to put in deficit and your body doesn't respond well to continued deficits. As we know, we've talked about this with Danny it, you know, it rebels with all of us and your hunger starts going through the roof. Your cravings are insatiable. Like your body, your energy is all over the place. You can't sleep You're, And then you start literally even being, and this is why, and this is true. You can literally gain weight taking in a thousand calories a day, mm-hmm. 1200 calories a day. You can gain weight on that, 
because your, your resting metabolism and how many calories you're burning is actually below that because that's like how much your metabolism can compensate. So one of the things that we do and this is something that we actually help people a lot with in mod 365. Now, if you're listening to the story and you're like, this is me. And also it's very extreme to the point where like, I don't leave my house. I can't have any food outside my own kitchen. I have to read labels incessantly. I can't go to a, uh, you know, social event without like, and eat anything. You might need to get like real help. You know what I mean? You might have to see a counselor. You might have to see, you know, an ED counselor, like someone who can really help you with this stuff. Oftentimes we just say, oh, well, it's just dieting. Everyone does it. But it's like, no, this is dysfunctional. When it is literally affecting everything in your life, it's dysfunctional. Food should not be put on that level of a pedestal. And this also, this, this, this control mechanism construct, it assumes that your metabolism is really fragile mm -hmm. and it's fucking not your metabolism is so much more intelligent than you could ever imagine. And it also auto-regulates. So for example, if this woman started eating carbs, right, even though again, she's on a high fat diet and fat yeah. is every gram of fat is nine calories. Every gram of carb is only four calories. So mm -hmm. if you think about that, if she took all of her fat grams and she replaced them with carb grams, she'd actually probably lose weight because she's taking in half of the amount of calories if everyone's yeah. like following that, right? So weight loss really isn't about the food itself. There are certain foods like fats that make you feel more satisfied, right? Protein makes you feel more satiated and fuller for longer. So that's going to help you maybe make better decisions overall, but you have to also look at how you're operating in the world. And if you can't literally go to a restaurant, you can't go to, that's dysfunctional. Now, if you are maybe not quite, so in Mod, Mod 365, we actually stratify people. Uh, the very beginning, we have a questionnaire that we take them through. Essentially, there's three buckets that people can fall into. The first bucket is someone who is not really what we classify as like obsessed with food. They just don't really know all that much about food. They maybe want to lose weight. They maybe have a body change goal, but they're not like super obsessed. They haven't done a shitload of diets or anything like that. For that person, we actually just usually we refer them out to like a dietitian or regular nutrition coach. Like it's not for someone who just doesn't have the information. So we usually will refer out phase two is really where we shine, which is this person who's maybe done upwards of like 10 diets, five to 10 diets over the last 10 years, gained and lost the same amount of weight, thinking about food, you know, 50, 60, 70, 90 plus percent time of the day. Um, and then we have the third phase, which is like borderline needy where we're like, okay, this is maybe out of scope of practice as well. But one of the things that we come across a lot is people do have fear of certain foods, whether it's literally people have been scared of fucking fruit and dairy and carb and fat and whatever yeah. protein, it doesn't matter. So what we do with that is we have a tool. This is really hard because the only way you can yank yourself out of this, this, uh, sort of control mechanism is you have to create a show of evidence that it's okay to eat the thing mm. because right now you don't think it's okay because you go, well, I, I use this to lose all this weight. I experienced a level of success that I could never have imagined. So anything outside of this little tiny container must not work. Mm -hmm. But uh, the bottom line is this woman is doing CrossFit. She could probably use some carbs. Yeah. But so she needs to see it as okay, but she has to create that show of evidence. It's okay. Right. Me and you telling her, Hey man, you can eat carbs. It's not going to work. Right. So she needs to actually experience it. And this was, um, so one of my sort of control mechanisms was making my food. I need to prep for the week. We've all heard that if you, you know, fail to plan, then you, what is it? Plan to fail. Plan to fail. Yeah. 
if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So I was like, so for literally shit, probably six, seven years straight, every single Sunday I did food prep because the story I told myself was if I don't food prep, I'm fucked. I'm going to end up McDonald's every fucking meal and I'm not gonna be able to handle it. And I made up all these stories about how, if I didn't have my food ready, that I would completely bomb and I'd gain 50 pounds overnight. That was my storyline. And I remember I had come off like a bunch of photo shoots and a couple of shows and I had been dieting for like nine months straight. And I was, it wasn't really even working anymore. And I was just so exhausted and so disgusted by the food I was making all the time. One Sunday I was like, fuck it. I can't do it. I'm just not going to do it. I don't even care if I gain 50 pounds this week. I eat McDonald's every fucking, I'm just whatever, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm at that Mm -hmm. point. And I went through the week and it wasn't that bad. I mean, I didn't have like the most nutritious stuff, but I had protein shakes, protein bars, maybe some more like convenience type foods. I got to the end of the week and I was like, wow, my clothes still fit. I still look the same. It was fine. I have not food prep since then. That was 2011. <laughs> I have not done food prep once since then. Yeah. But it was such an invaluable experience to show myself it was okay. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe this woman's not quite to that point where she's like throwing her hands up like I was and I was just like, fuck it. But at some point, she's probably going to get there, right? At some point, you have to live your life. So we use a tool at Mod 365 called intermittent sampling. And it's a very sort of controlled way of um, exposing yourself. So we actually use exposure therapy, which is like in psychology research, it's like this thing where you kind of like are around the thing you're scared of. So whatever the food item is that you should have people, it's like ice cream, it's chips, it's fries, it's all these things. And we do a very mindful strategy with them to ask them to have that food in their house. And we don't just say like, have it in your house and deal with it. We're like, okay, so here's what you're going to do. And this really speaks to that control mindset. Anyway, Mm -hmm. we say, we want you to take a serving say it's ice cream, take a serving of ice cream, put it in a bowl, go to the table, go to the couch, wherever, eat it. And then all you need to do is just wait 20 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. Just take a beat and then decide, do I want more? That's it. And this is a mindfulness practice, by the way. Mm -hmm. So if you want more, go get more, go get another serving, bring it back, do the same thing again, wait 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and decide, do I want another one? Yes, I want another one and go. So I don't even give a shit what the outcome is. I don't care if you eat the entire pint of ice cream. That's not the goal. The goal is not the outcome. It's about the process. So instead of you taking a pint of ice cream and just like turning your brain off and just demolishing it without any mindfulness, we say, I don't care if the outcome's the same, you know, and that's scary for people too, in and of itself, right? What if I do eat it? I'm like, well, but you're, you're eating it mindfully. So over time, it's going to get better. So maybe every, you know, every day for a week, you have a couple servings of that and you don't, and that's not ideal, but you're breaking the habit of mind mindlessness. Then someday you're just like, you know what? I don't really want ice cream tonight. Cool. So at some point something changes, but you see yourself being able to be around that food and have control over it. So really the ultimate in control really is trust. I trust I can be around any food, anytime. And this woman's like, I can't have any carbs. She's going to have to figure out a way if she cares to, I mean, it sounds like it's working for her for now. I think it's probably not going to work at some point, but at some point she's going to have to be around those carbs and do it in a controlled way that still speaks to your like, you know, type A personality, but you're going to have to start slowly exposing yourself to some of these foods so you can actually live. And, and you're going to see the evidence that you, all the things you were scared of didn't actually happen. You didn't gain back the 80 pounds that you lost. You didn't gain back, you know, 50 pounds overnight. You didn't, you know, clothes still fit, you know, you need to have that experience. And so we, we do this to show people that, 
to give them again, a show of evidence, like tactical evidence that, that it's okay. And, but you have to reach a point where you're ready for that. And that's yes. why we have the, you know, that's why we have the stratification. This, this gal that you're talking about may or may not be there, but at some point she will be, because what she's doing is unsustainable. I love how tactical that is. And also that you brought up, even if the, <clears throat> even if the result is the same, because my thought, you know, my question to you would have been, and you already answered it was, well, what if I still do that? Cause I remember the story I would tell myself is I can't have that in the house. Cause I'll just eat the whole thing. I'll eat the entire gallon of ice cream. I'll eat the entire bag of chips. And it's, I love that you said, okay, even if you do, then you try again. And for me, how I, and I didn't follow your process, but I kind of did accidentally was I did just binge on shit. And then I stopped wanting to, after I finally let myself. And I also got to that place of just like, fuck it. I can't do this anymore. I was, for me, it wasn't about food prep. It was weighing all the food. And I was, got, I got to the place where I'm just like, I don't want to weigh it anymore. I just want to eyeball it and just figure out if that's enough. And I, I had such a mental block of just being able to eat the amount of food I wanted versus what I thought I should like the four ounces of chicken, yep. four ounces was never enough for me. I needed like six to eight. I don't know. It was too small. And I just needed a couple more bites, but those couple more bites turned into a binge because I was I was making myself eat so much less. And so then I didn't trust myself to have anything because I would binge. Well, once I just gave myself that permission to just didn't really give myself permission. It was just like, fuck it. I can't do it anymore. I had a couple binges and then it stopped. I thought that I would binge for the rest of my life. I'm like, if totally. It's just I'm like, it's allowed. off to the races. Like yeah. you just can't even stop it. It's a runaway train. Yeah. It's not the case. Yeah. That's why I'm saying your metabolism is so intelligent. Mm -hmm. Like I, this woman's, the way she's interacting with food is also fragile, but also her metabolism is extremely leveraged. Yeah. So this is why when you say to someone, like someone says, like, if I even look at bread, I gain weight. And I'm like, you probably do Yeah. only because it, your, your physiology is so starved and your metabolism is so leveraged that, yeah, probably if you overeat one night, you might actually see it on you, but yeah. that doesn't last, it doesn't. right? You don't just keep gaining and keep gaining your metabolism auto corrects. Yeah. It just does. It auto regulates based on what you're giving it. And if it's like, if it feels like there's enough nutrients here, it feels like I'm extra, especially for someone's doing a CrossFit, like, you know, variety of vitamins and minerals, nutrients, micronutrients, and she's also exercising intensely with weights, her metabolism is going to find an equilibrium and it's not going to be obese, right? It's like, it's just going to find an equilibrium where she's going to feel good. And probably her body would be more likely to actually release some fat because it's not in this like very leveraged feast and famine mode. Yes. Yes. I think the fear, and it's, it's funny because I've never seen someone like gain a hundred pounds in two weeks, but somehow we feel like that's going to happen. Or <laughs> like, I'm going to be the one who gets... don't have a say over it. Right. Yeah. Like that's the thing is just like the strategies, right. It's not like, Oh, I'm just like going to shut my brain off. And this is just my life for now. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I love the mindfulness piece and giving yourself permission and going back and saying, even if, even if I do eat the whole bag of chips, I took time. I did a little bit and I said, you know what? I still want more. I did a little bit, still want more cool. And you're right. It doesn't, you're not going to keep doing that. The more mindful you are, you'll get to a place where you just go, I'm not doing that anymore. And it's so fascinating. And I just want to share this, um, because Jill and I are on the other side of that, where we can act, we can really say that it doesn't have to be that way. I used to be the person where it was not allowed in the house, chips, cookies, cake, but literally right now in my cabinet, we have this bag of cookies from Costco. We have bags of chips 
And to be honest, it's been sitting there. Like I'll probably have to throw it away because I've only eaten a couple at a time and then I don't want it anymore. And now it's probably stale. I did not think I could have this kind of stuff in my house. I didn't think I could have those bags be quarter full and like just sitting there. I remember sitting in my home thinking if there was something in the cabinet, it was almost like thinking about I couldn't it stop the whole thinking time. about it. Yeah. Right. Like, and I would even eat it just to get rid of it. So I'm like, right. okay, now I don't have to think about it anymore. It's gone. I ate it. <laughs> I ate it to get rid of it. Like it's gone. And so I know there's many people listening who feel that way. And who go like, well, change. this is great for you guys, but you don't yeah. understand. I can't even be around. And I'm like, believe me, I'm, yes. I was the exact same. I used to have my ex-husband like hide, hide. food. Yes. I'd be like, can you hide this from me? Because I want to eat it when the show is over, but I yes. can't have it around. I can't even have it. Cause to your point, I'd be sitting in the living room thinking, thinking. about it being on the kitchen counter the whole time. Yes. And it's similar, similar to last week. I had a craving for uh, yogurt land. We went and got yogurt land. I came home. I didn't finish the whole thing, put it in the freezer. Then I left for the week. I came back last night and Keith was like, Oh, sorry. I ate your yogurt land. And I was like, Oh, I totally forgot it was even in there. Yeah. Right. Like just <laughs> forgot it was in there. And also not at all bad, like mad that someone quote unquote stole my food. Whereas yes. something that's 10 years ago, I would have been like, how dare you eat? That was my treat. My, oh my this God. like tiny allotted amount was for me. I'm just like, yeah, and get your land a fucking time. I'm good. Yep. It's so true. It's so true. There would just be times where I, my ex would hide stuff too. And I was, he was so much taller. So I'm like, put it way up there where I can't reach it. I can't see it. I don't know. It's there. I need it out of the way. And there was even a time I remember I was, we were dating and he ordered a pizza and we were living in different homes. And I'm like, I have to leave. And I can't be around you till you finish that. And like, right. I went home and didn't stay the night at his house. Cause I'm like, you eat your pizza, but I can't be around this. Yep. Same. which is so wild to think about, but it's just, it's such a, it is a practice and it comes from the show of evidence. And you I have think to. one of the things, like you said, you might gain five pounds from looking at a piece of bread at first, but it stops. You don't gain five pounds every single day. And every single time I was one of those where I know I was super in shape and everyone's like, you're in good shape. You can eat whatever you want. I'm like, no, if I have a bite of cake, I'll gain five pounds, which I did. It's probably water weight. Didn't gain five pounds of fat overnight, but you were after, so dieted down. Yes. Of course, anything you eat is going to stick to you. Right. Yes. But after a certain amount of time, right. I one stopped gaining that weight. And two, I didn't have those cravings anymore. I stopped craving it once I allowed myself to have the thing. And so it's definitely, totally and possible. I just, like I said, to the, I didn't want to say anything to this woman. It's not my business. And she's probably going to have to get to her own, you know, whether Point. it's just being so tired of it, being so fed up, being at an event and being hungry. And like, that's the only thing that's offered. You're just going to eat the thing. But I think that you can get to a place like Jill said, the intermittent sampling, you can leverage these strategies. So you don't have to get to the place of fuck it. Like we both did yep. and practice it. <laughs> totally. And that's the thing is remember, like I was, I was trying to remember, like, <laughs> again, the extreme stuff's always there, right? Mm -hmm. Like the extreme diets aren't going anywhere. So you might as well take a chance on what you feel like might feel like a risk right now, but what you're doing is unsustainable. You are miserable. You, why don't you try something else? You know, we're sitting here telling you, and both of us are like in shape and we're both telling you that this is totally possible. And we were that all or nothing sort of mentality. We were those people. 
And so it's, but you have to take that initial risk, right? What feels like a risk, but over time, you're like, I can't believe I was doing what I was, that bullshit I was doing for such a long time. You'll get to that point when you look back on it and you're like, yeah, what was I even doing? Why was I even doing all that cardio? I just felt like I had to, or why was I even not? So you do need to have the experience and you'll know when the time is right. Cause you'll be like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep staying in this holding pattern. It's just not working. And that's the, that was the realization I had that to really like wake up to the fact that as much as I wanted it to work, right? Had the best intentions, do all this cardio, super clean diet. It's going to work again this week. It kept not, it kept binging. And I kept like, you know, self-sabotaging. And I was like, Jill, you keep wanting to do it. It's like, what's that, you know, keep doing the same thing and expecting different results is insanity. Yeah. And it was, and I had to wake up to the fact that like what you're doing isn't actually working. It's not a character flaw. Like, I think we can easily make it like, I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough willpower or whatever. It's just the nature of your physiology, right? You cannot keep restricting and you cannot keep piling on more and more exercise and expect your metabolism to keep responding linearly. It won't, it will stop and it will even rebound. And so if you're experiencing that now, you know, you could obviously, you know, I'd be happy to talk to you, reach out. We can talk about mod 365. You feel like in that place, but there's, you know, there are strategies out there and we've changed a lot of people's lives by doing some of these more strategic and systematic mindfulness strategies. And it's totally, totally possible to be, be, have these, be these things in your house and not fixate on them and still be in shape and still be lean and still have that fit body that you want. I want to ask you about this because we talked about food, but let's just real briefly before we go touch on exercise, because I think some people, it might be food, but some people it might be, Mm -hmm. I can't stop exercising. Like I read the calories and then have to go to the gym and burn off that many calories or something. Mm -hmm. So personally, um, I, you know, I kind of talked about this before my adrenal fatigue set in and I was so exhausted that I just had to stop. And I remember trying to cut back on the exercise. And that was really difficult because I felt like I need to go to the gym. And I, I even would see people that I followed and I followed a lot of fitness competitors and they're like getting it in no excuses two a days. And I feel so guilty. So one of the things I did first to cut back on the exercise was to unfollow some people that were doing that because that was stressing me out. And the other piece was to try to find something else to do in that time. So I used to do two hours a day of cardio and I'm like, I need to find something to fill that two hours. So for me, that became reading or just going on walks. And it was really challenging because I wanted to, as the, I was walking, I wanted to like power walk. I'm like, okay, but walking isn't doing, <laughs> so maybe I just like, so I was still, I still had the mindset. So I had to just really slow down. So kind of doing more reading helped because walking would sometimes trigger that mm-hmm. like competitiveness, mm-hmm. but what kind of things did you do? Yeah. So I actually scaled back. Yeah. I scaled back. What I noticed was the more exercise I was doing, the less intense it was, which makes a lot of sense, right? If you think about it, all right, I got a, I have an hour of elliptical in front of me. I'm not going to get on there and start like crushing it. Right. And like smoking on that thing. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to pace. Mm-hmm. And so what I started doing was just pulling back, like, and it was pretty systematic. I would, And it was one of those things where like, again, you have to create a show of evidence that it's okay. So instead of just like, like you were kind of like, I need to just stop quit cold Turkey. I was more like, let me just slowly pull back. And so instead of doing two hours a day, I started doing 90 minutes and I did that for like a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, my clothes are still fitting. All right. And then I cut back to like an hour for a few weeks. And I was like, okay, my clothes are still fitting. I like, I'm still managing. 
Then what was really interesting, I cut back to 45 minutes. And what happened when I finally got down to like what I'm at now, which is, I mean, 10 to 15 minutes, I mean, but even getting down to like 20 or 30 minutes of cardio, what I noticed was I could push a lot harder and my body actually responded to the intensity. And then I got addicted to that, you know, and I still feel like I'm in that space. I'd much rather just push hard for 10 minutes and call it good enough than sit on elliptical for two hours. So for me, what helped me pull back on my total volume was being able to actually do it intensely again. And my body started changing because of the intensity. It hadn't experienced that level of stimulus before experienced lots of minutes on the machines, but not the intensity. So I started doing more like track sprints and metabolic conditioning and CrossFit workouts and things like that, that were all much shorter than what I had been doing, but it allowed for me to actually push hard again, which made me start to feel like an athlete again. And also my body still, not only did my body still look as good as it did when I was doing two hours, I actually started looking better, started looking way more athletic, way more defined, had a lot more tone in my muscle. And I liked it better, but so, but I couldn't push with intensity when I'm doing two hours. So, I mean, if it's hard for you now, maybe think about it from that perspective. Like, let me trade in the minutes for intensity, you know, and and start there. And remember intensity, you can't go intense for an hour, right? I'm talking like 30 minutes, 20 minutes right now. I do 10 to 15 minutes of cardio a couple of times a week. That's it, but it's all sprints and Metcons and things like that. So that really helped me, but it did take me several months to get down to that threshold of exercise. But again, your check-in, okay, my body's, my clothes still fit. To me, that was it. I never really weighed myself. It wasn't really yeah. about the weight. It was more about, does my clothes still fit? But because previously I had anywhere from like a size four to a size 12 in my closet. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I can't have all these fucking different sizes. Right. And so now I'm like, I'm confident that anything in my closet right now would just zip right up. Right. And that's, to me, that's where, that's fulfillment for me. I, I like that. I like the systematic way. I know that when I was talking more about adrenal fatigue, a lot of instructors were coming to me with Mm. these issues. And this can be tricky when your job is to actually be doing the class with the people. And so some advice I gave to them was a lot of instructors will still do their own workouts after so they're working out like six times a day. And so I would either give the advice to cut your own workouts because you're already doing it or like do less in the class. Like literally not all of the classes you need to be giving your full, you can just be encouraging, instructing, walking around, giving people theirs. But I know that a lot of people who are teaching want to do the thing. Cause they're like, this is also my workout, but then you're also doing your own workout, which doesn't make sense. Cause your workout is your class workout. And then you're doing another and you're just doing too much. And it can be really tricky because like how I just stepped away and kind of cold Turkey. If you're, if your job is to do these classes, you can't yeah. necessarily. Right. So you're going to have to figure out. And I was doing that too. Mm-hmm. I was teaching a lot of classes at the time mm-hmm. and I had to really pull back on my classes too. And just say, this is, and it got to the point where these aerobic classes like spinning, I would teach like 90 minute spin classes. They just didn't fit anywhere in my goals anymore. You know, yeah. it got to the point where I was like, that's, it's not like restoration. It's not like a restorative walk, but it's also not like intense lifting. It's like this mid step. And I kind of was like, this is a waste of my fucking time. I got to that mm-hmm. point. Whereas, and I'm not saying like exercise class, if you love Peloton or whatever, do it, but just make sure you're also doing, you know, your lifts and make sure it's not just all this moderate intensity cardio, because that I think was, you, you start to get in trouble with the adrenal stuff. Mm-hmm. That's where you start to get in trouble with like the hormonal stuff and this addiction, because then you're not looking at intensity. You're looking at minutes. How many minutes am I doing? And then you keep needing to increase that. And by nature, your intensity will just be lower. So your body actually won't respond in the way that you actually want it to. 
And so I think for me, that was how I kind of started slowly pulling back on that was, and I was doing a lot more stuff. Like I teach off the bike sometimes for some of the shorter workouts, right? I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to teach off the bike. And I jump back on for a little bit. Then I would, so I sort of made it more group personal training rather than me being in the front of the class, just doing all the things and everyone's following along. But yeah, I mean, you have to decide what your priorities are, you know, and, and can you start to make some of these small changes? It won't happen overnight, but you have to have the courage and the vulnerability to actually start trusting that this process could work for you. Cause that's the first thing is you, if you're listening to this and going, well, that would never work for me, then you're already, you're yeah. already not going to be able to do this. But if you kind of think like, well, maybe, maybe I could start, you need to consider that there are options and maybe not everything's going to work for you, but there's something out there that can help you just get your life back. Really. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. This, this mental obsession, this time obsession, being at the gym three, four hours a day. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous getting your light. This is about getting your life back, being able to not think about food 90 plus percent of the day, not being at the gym three times a day, you have your life back. And so, you know, I would say we're 40, you know, everyone's getting older. You got to figure this out sooner rather than later. If you want to have, I don't know, some joy. Yeah. And that mentality of this isn't going to work for me. I remember having that and going, sounds good for you, but that's not going to work for me. I know my body. And as, uh, like an athlete or someone who is it, a coach or a personal trainer, we do know our bodies really well, but when you try it one time and you're like, see the scale went up, it's like, that's not, right. that's not proving that you're no. correct. That it just doesn't work for you. You have so to good. really do it over a longer period of time and give it a real, real college try. Give but it just, a try. That's yeah. I love that you said that because I think some people are like, I tried it for one week and I'm, and they get scared. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And then they go back to the old way. Cause like, it doesn't work for me. And it's like, um, your physiology still has to like calibrate, right. It has to catch up. So give yourself, Mm -hmm. I mean, give yourself a minimum of three months because you can always go back to severely cutting calories. You can always go back to cutting whole food groups up. You can always go back to the the cardio machines aren't going anywhere. So why not try something else and then see, you can always go back. I like the three month rule. Cause that, you know, when I worked with weight loss clients and they would come, they're like, want to lose all the weight right away. And I'm like, give right. your body time to catch up. Like it right. would take at least three months to see results. I think to undo things as well, three months is a good amount of time to give something a try yep. and let your body recalibrate. If yep. you might have a little swing and gain a little bit, but it'll swing back and give yourself that time and trust and uh, see what happens. Yeah, so, it is. Anyway, it's a I good hope, conversation. I hope this helps someone because, you know, the, the woman I saw, it just made me really sad and it, it sucks because I do feel like it's a prison and just the being triggered around food and the constantly thinking about it is a really hard way to live. And so I have a lot of compassion for her because I feel like that used to be me. And while I'm not going to jump into, you know, her life and give her my unsolicited advice, maybe she'll somehow stumble across this podcast. And, yep. <laughs> but I hope this helps someone who's listening because yes. uh, hopefully just hearing this from Jill and I doesn't make you think it's not possible for you. I hope that it helps you think that it is possible for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great discussion. Thank you guys so much. And we always appreciate when we, these are the questions that come up because we know that this is, you know, some, it's easy to be on the other side of it and be like, oh, everyone's good on this. And I know for a fact that a lot of people are still not. Mm-hmm. And thank you guys for your questions, your comments, and your just ideas for episodes because they always go a long way. And that's it for me. We got anything else? No, we're good. That's it. All right, guys, we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.